Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. All right, really think you're going to enjoy this one today. I chat with Thomas Gentle, who's the founder CEO of Shotcall. You can find them at shotcall.gg. You can find Tom at Tom for Tom on Twitter. Uh, really great conversation. If you want to learn why Tom stopped a little over halfway through a pre-med degree and decided to create a platform for influencers in gaming, you're in the right place. It's a fascinating story of why they started Shot Call. Great look into how you build a moat in a space like this. We talk about kind of the gaming industry in general. We talk a little bit about the future of gaming, where it's going. Lots to unpack in this episode. Really hope you enjoy it. Find Tom online. Tell him thank you for coming on the podcast. Check out shotcall.gg. And thank you so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're chatting with Thomas Gentle, who's the founder and CEO of Shotcall. Thomas, welcome. Hey there, Mike. I, I appreciate you having me on. Why don't we start with a quick pitch for Shotcall? What do you guys do? Sure. The easiest way I can describe it is Shotcall is the platform and marketplace for uh, fans to hop in the game and content alongside their favorite people. That's the single sentence pitch. Our idea is to acknowledge that to right now, the norm in uh, online content, gaming, streaming, is that if you're a fan of any particular name, uh, it's just kind of understood that you are a viewer, and that's the extent of your engagement. You are perpetually benched, and we want to completely change that. We believe it should be a global norm that fans are actually in the content and game alongside their favorite person. And thus, we are building a technical solution to make that happen in a way that is mutually beneficial for all involved. Awesome. Love it. And for somebody who's listening who may not be familiar with Shot Call, paint a current picture of where you're at. So that could be any sort of vanity metric you want to share, number of users, number of games that people have jumped into, size of the team, anything that kind of for, for somebody else who might be listening to kind of understand, are you two guys in a garage? Are you <laughs> about to raise a you know Series B, $35 million round? Like where are you at on that journey? Yeah. Uh, so we are still a startup. I, I, I feel like you're always or you are perpetually a startup until you go a pu- go a public. It feels like. But we are a startup that uh, comes out of Atlanta, Georgia, myself and my two co-founders. 
We are all graduates from Georgia Tech, have been in production for a little over two years. We recently got through the Techstars program out in Seattle. Congrats. Yeah, man. And we just uh, completed our seed round of around 2.2 million. So up until recently, the team has been very much so bootstrapped and keeping things slim. But our team has now grown from around four to six folks to approximately 15. There are a few hundred active influencers, streamers, uh, creators, and celebrities on the platform to date. And we are growing consistently around 40% across all of our primary KPIs every month. I'm not going to lie. That might be the best answer I've ever had to that question. <laughs> Dope. That was really <laughs> concise. I love it. All right. Hell yeah. Uh, okay. So when you think of competitors for Shot Call, who or what comes to mind? Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to understand like how we distinguish ourselves. For those of you who may not be hyper familiar with the world of gaming and content creators and influencers you hear all of the all of these buzzwords you might assume that a potential competitor of ours could be like a twitch or a, a youtube but uh that is not the case in this space this industry there are essentially content hosting platforms and content facilitating platforms. A, a platform or site like a YouTube or Twitch or Facebook or TikTok, there's a whole list. Uh, those are content hosting platforms. That's actually where you upload content or you live stream content. And then there are platforms that are content facilitators. We fall under that. So there are a myriad of solutions to make the experience better for a particular influencer, a gamer, a community. You have sites like Patreon. You have sites like uh, Streamlabs that have a toolkit for streamers. What we are doing, I don't necessarily know if you would call them a competitor, but a good comparison for us is we are like the cameo of gaming. We are essentially giving hosts complete control over how they populate a party or a lobby in game, regardless of ultimately where they host their content, what game they play, the size and status of their fan base, uh, how they want it structured. It's totally agnostic, totally modular. And because of this design, we are pretty much the only one of our kind, at least in the West. There are similar platforms out in Asia because, as usual, they tend to be ahead of the Western market when it comes to this right. space. But for us, we are fairly unique. Break down real quick how you guys make money. Yeah. Uh, so... If you have a fan base and if you game or if you want to bring your fan base into the content, you should be on Shot Call. You'll make a, a, a profile. You'll show your, your schedule, the games that you play, where you host your content and integrate into all that content. And then you'll set a price for uh, the fans to hop into your content or game alongside you. And as the facilitator of these interactions, we take a percentage of what the host earns. And this, of course, can vary depending 
on all sorts of factors on how you interact if you are a partner of ours. But the easiest way to digest it, the TLDR is do we take a percentage of what the host earns? Perfect. Got it. So when you think of, so if you're the kind of the leader in the domestic space, so in, at least in the Western world, how do you think about the moat that you're creating? I'm super interested to kind of think about is that we're going to collect the right influencers early. We're going to create, sure. we're going to capture this intellectual property and patent it. We're going to, yeah. like, like when you think, like there's tons of ways you guys could think of a moat, right? How do you, how do you protect against five other shot calls popping up overnight? Oh yeah. So, um, I mean, the most obvious one is what you just tapped into. It is a, a bit of a land grab, right? You, you want to associate yourself with the right kind of talents, orgs, teams, agencies, all of that cool stuff. But you also don't want to be so elitist that you only focus on the on the whales. As for like the proprietary tech, yeah, there's there's a a lot in the in the pipeline, some of which I can disclose and some I can't. The parts that I can disclose have to do with our model. There's a lot of speed here. Um, and what we are inevitably going to be evolving into as far as our model goes is um, there is a lot of problems in the world of sponsorships and influencer marketing. I, I don't know like how familiar you are with a space of influencer marketing, but if you talk to any kind of an endemic brand in the space, odds are they are going to tell you like they will get an effective ROI, but they're not going to get a consistent ROI. And what I mean by that is like I could go and and write a check for, you know, a straw man example, a, a ninja and say, hey, here are uh, here's a hundred K. I want you to to a drink our drink or sell our product. And here's a, a discount code. And you're going to cross your fingers that based on his uh, CCV or view count or followers, there's going to be some kind of a reasonable conversion of his fans to consumers. And sometimes you will get that, but but you you won't always. And thus the ROI is not consistent. And the reason is, is the data that you are playing with is all a guessing game of data, regardless of of if you're on these billion dollar platforms like YouTube and Facebook and Twitch, and they try to come up with these intelligent algorithms to make this data more consistent. Unfortunately, the data they are going off of is still guessing game data. Well, on Shot Call, if we can make it a global norm that fans are essentially paying for um, airtime of hosts and influencers, that kind of data doesn't really exist. That's that's getting like really, really granular. And our company is going to be in a position to go to a brand, say a PNG or a Coca-Cola and say, I have X amounts of, of of influencers, X percentage of their fans consistently pay X for X amount of their time. That's essentially 
recreating an airtime model for the world of gaming and influencers. Now it's not just an effective ROI, but a consistent one, a predictable one, where a brand can simply take the paywall of the fans and all these kinds of interactions and activations instead of a fan having to pay five bucks for a chance to play alongside a ninja, a brand can go, this shot call session is brought to you by a Coca-Cola and click here for 10% off for something like that, right? That's the kind of moat where if you can, whoever's going to get there the fastest, whoever is going to hit a critical mass in users and anticipate that inevitable evolution of influencer influencer marketing they're going to be unstoppable just to point out put a finer point on that not just for me even though you your ten thousand hours is in this space mine is not (laughs) but, but certainly even for maybe some listeners talk a little bit about the growth of esports gaming influencers in gaming in general over maybe the last five to ten years do Are you comfortable (laughs) providing like just a super, super quick crash course on the market overview? Uh, Yeah. I mean, like I could, I could bore you with all kinds of metrics and data. Like I, you may or may not know that over two thirds of the earth's entire population is now considered a, a gamer. They spend at least an hour a week consuming a gaming Uh, Or you may or may not uh, to be aware that on YouTube, gaming content is consumed far, far beyond any other kind of content online. Or even like, uh, you know, an anecdotal example, the largest individual content creator on YouTube, uh, Felix Shelberg, or his, uh, his alias is PewDiePie. He has now over 100 million subscribers. He has more subscribers to this uh, this one guy in Sweden uh, than most countries in the world have a human population. (laughs) And and he grew uh, from gaming. It's all from gaming. Uh, I, I think the most the most impactful thing for folks to understand is that the stigma of what constitutes a gamer is dead it used to be you know it's some uh some nerd in in their parents basement and that's certainly where gaming was born out of it was for the social outcasts to build a community come together because of the accessibility and gaming technology that allows for them to connect and engage uh, a thing you and your listeners might be able to pick up on is that I have a stutter. And the only reason why I really bring that up is because for a good chunk of my youth, I was essentially a mute. And it was due entirely to online content and gaming that I was able to really build relationships and find communities. And that's what gaming has become as it becomes more and more accessible to so many different people. It truly is the most widespread hobby, community, sport, whatever you want to call it. I call it the ideal medium for anyone to engage on an equal footing. That's really where gaming is. And it's only going to continue to grow from there. 
Awesome. Great answer. So you mentioned a little bit about your childhood. Why this platform and why now? Why did why did you guys start Shot Call? Yeah. When I was going through Georgia Tech here in Atlanta, I'll be honest, at first I went into biomedical engineering and pre-med. I thought I was going to be a surgeon. That's very um, different. <laughs> yes, it is. And uh, in full, full disclosure, it sounds stupid. I really only picked that because it had the highest the failure rate in the world. I, I, I was a, a bit of a, a masochist. I felt like I had something to prove. And like I was a year away from graduating, all set to go on to a med school. And I was like, man, I fucking hate this. I don't want to do this. I really don't want to go out and be a doctor. I'm going to be in school for another 10 years and be up to my eyeballs in debt. And had a, I guess, a, a, a moment of, of, of clarity where I was like, I really don't know what I want to do with my life. Is there, so real quick, I got to, Pause you in the yeah. story. It, what, yeah. like, what, do you have any idea what caused that clarity? Like, what, what were you listening to? What were you reading? What were you like? What happened around that time that made you think, like, what the hell am I doing? Oh man, I mean, just uh, just like you, you get caught up in this idea, this perception that you know, particularly for our folks in my generation, it's just assumed that college and university is the end-all uh, means to have a career. And it has a lot to do with, I mean, like, sure, I, I can get into historically and philosophically, like, it's because, you know, our parents and the generation prior, it was it was more of a scarcity to, to go to all college and therefore it wasn't a norm at a certain important time. Like, to go to college which means you're in some, like, elite class where all the doors are open for you. But as anyone with a basic understanding of economics can tell you, uh, if if everyone has, has access to the same thing, it kind of yeah. uh, devalues de- it. Um, yeah. You don't really need it. Uh, so I don't know. I, 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 I just got hit with, with a feeling of, I'm so did disenfranchised with everyone assuming that this ha- has to be the absolute path that you have to take. And that's not the case. Um, you are lying to yourself because um, you're too afraid to pursue a passion, regardless of what that outcome might be. I don't know. It, it, it just clicked. And I had tried, you know, a, a couple of other startups here and there they didn't really go anywhere and so i made a list of ideas that uh i thought would be cool that had to be the first and foremost the thing that would qualify uh to my pursuit is is it cool like am i going to vibe with this idea and then i, I began to sort them by like what i think the potential size of the market is uh the timing, how qual- qualified am I to even talk about to this idea? And it really all came down to, to a shot call. Like the whole time I have, I've always been on YouTube, like talking about PewDiePie and his hundred million subscribers. I was pro- probably in his first 
100 or first 1,000. And I've always been so pissed that like, why the hell am I always just a viewer? I, I play the same the same damn games. Like I should be able to get in this content. And uh, that's always irked me. I feel like a really good startup uh, is when you are pursuing something that irks you. And you're like, damn it, this needs to be fixed. It has to be this way. And if and if no one else is going to do it, then screw it. I'll do it. And I brought the idea to two of my classmates. And the good news is that like, odds are, if you go to tech, you're also a huge nerd and you're into gaming. And they are and, and were. Uh, and I knew that they were both uh, kick-ass devs who... We're all set to go on either to Google or to Amazon, but I also knew that they were bloodthirsty. And if they were presented with the right idea, they couldn't say no. And they were like, hell yeah, dude, let's do it. And uh, we got to work. Obviously, had no idea like what the hell we were doing at at first. For the most part, to most folks don't, still don't. But we got it. Yeah. You know that's never going to go away, right? Oh, hell no. No, that and and that it it's true. At a certain po- point in time, yeah, it, it never goes away. No. we're ten years in on on our front. We're we're just over ten years in, and I still feel like an imposter <laughs> every day, dude. dude every day, every single day. I I I. It's it's hilarious because if we are being totally honest with ourselves, no one knows what the hell they're doing. No one. And we're all just kind of, you know, taking an educated guess and we are are exuding a, exuding a confidence, but it's only because you get into a habit, right? And you are looking f- to folks around you to say like, am I doing this correctly? Is this correct? Is anyone going to say something? No one knows. And we got into CreateX, we got into TechStars, uh, we began to to network like like crazy, to, uh, to go into all the major influencer conventions at TwitchCon and VidCon and PAX and DreamHack and shit. Thomas, do you guys have any uh, swag for Shot Call? Anything you do for employees, yourselves, investors, anything cool? It's in process. Uh, and by in process, I mean the designs are in process, but we do not yet have a dedicated manufacturer. All right. Well, tell me what you're designing. What are you thinking about doing? Uh, shirts, uh, stickers, hoodies, uh, uh, the Nalgene bottles. That's going to be the prima- primary stuff. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Uh, is this going to be just for like employees, or will I be able to go to Shot Call GG and buy stuff online if I'm a if I'm a user of the product? Yeah, uh, some of it you can buy uh, on the site, but the majority of it is going to either be for uh, employees or partners. So that's really good incentive when, especially in our space, right? Because influencers they're all about brand identity and clout and merch and swag. Uh, I didn't even think of influencers. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So uh, if they are going to be partnered alongside us, then they get a sexy uh, partner exclusive thingy. So yeah. Well, I love it. Well, when you're ready to order that, uh, I would encourage you to go to fuelmerchandise.com and mention startup competitors. You'll get 10% off your first order. 
Hell yeah, man. In fact, uh, if you want to send me an email about that, I can pass that off to our team. Oh, dude, done. You know it. That's awesome. Easy. Hell yeah. So wait, can I can I pause you again and, and take a short short sidetrack? So um, talk talk a little bit about the accelerator experience. What what did you get out of those? What did you like? What did you not like? I, for not everybody, obviously, not everybody's been through an accelerator. What what are some of the takeaways from that experience? Yeah. Um, so all accelerators are the same in that you get out of it only what you put into it. Some accelerators are better than others, but it also means obviously if you put in zero, you are going to get out 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 to zero. For those of you who aren't familiar like with the world of accelerators, I would say there are like two flagship accelerators in the world. There is YC or Y Combinator based out of Silicon Valley and Techstars. And Techstars has locations all around the world. We got into Techstars. Techstars was tremendous for not just the growth of like our company and our metrics, but more specifically as entrepreneurs. I recall that on the last round of interviews with their committee, they always ask like, uh, what do you hope to get out of Techstars? And most folks are going to say one of two things. Like I want to 10x our network and I want, or I want to raise a million dollars. Woohoo. And what I said was, I want you to kick our ass because I knew that like, look, we are exceptionally young. Sure, we can work 14 hours a day straight through the weekend, fine. But what that also means is we are going to come with a lot of ignorance and a lot of ego, and we don't want to screw this shit up. So by all means, hold our heads down and make a string from a fire hose, beat it into us what it takes to succeed. They seem to appreciate that. So they proceeded to kick our ass for about five months. And it was brutal, but it was a phenomenal experience. Awesome. That, uh, love it. Okay. Keep, keep going on the narrative. I, I apologize for taking you down that rabbit hole. The whole story is that like, uh, we got into an accelerator called CreateX out of ATDC and TechSquare. We got into a Google Square Labs. We began to network like crazy uh, to go into all the big conventions um, and going to all the influencer parties, uh, sneaking into parties, getting kicked out of parties, eventually uh, to making enough friends in the space that we don't get kicked out of parties and eventually got into Techstars. And that's really where things turned around for us. We always knew our vision. We always knew our product. But when it came to refining the process and being professional in our cadence, that's where they really, really shined. Uh, for us, like, do we knew the timing was right based on all of the metrics and the data out there, but also because like we're so native to the space that it's almost like bl blinding how obvious this is. Um, if you look at the hey, data, say, for fans, right? They are at the center of the entire global value chain for this whole space. 
with a high willingness and ability to pay more, specifically for improved engagement. Well, they have pretty much all the two-dimensional engagement they can get their hands on, and yet they're still benched. They still don't have that. And then you uh, take a look at like um, what brands, what games, what platforms rise or fall out of favor and get bought. It's all dictated by the fans. It's all dictated by the consumer. So if you just arm them with what they truly want and what they want is to hop in that damn game. They want to hop in that content. You unlock so much more. But of course, it's easier said than done. And when it comes to a timing, if I would say everything I've said up until this point, you could say it is true a few years ago. But these days, gaming is so mainstream. It's so invasive. It's everywhere, as well as live streaming. And you used to be that the norm for content is VOD, like on YouTube. And uh, shout out to your editor for having to potentially chop all of this down because, you know, <laughs> that's how that used to be the norm for content. And if I wanted to bring people into my content, or more importantly, I wanted to put out content, that means, well, shit, I also now have to know how to cut down my content and edit it and upload it, or I'm going to have to hire someone to do it. That's easier said than done. But with the rise of a, of a live streaming, I don't necessarily have to do that. It can just be free form. I can be a, a one person army and put it all out there. And the same can be said for my fans and viewers. They can interact alongside me in a live format. Anyone can do it, truly anyone. It's all about the accessibility. And that includes now professional athletes and artists and celebrities and musicians. They don't have to know how to edit their content. Can you be entertaining in front of a camera or a mic? Yes, that's it. You're gold. Good enough. And gaming just happens to be a medium by which the host and the fans are both familiar with. So you can use that as a leverage and engage. Love it. How do you pick which games you make available on Shot Call? First and foremost, obviously, whatever is most popular at the time, uh, especially the games that are a multiplayer. Obviously, it's harder to, to engage with fans if you are going to play a single, a single player game. Um, but after that, we are very much so a community driven platform, meaning that our partners, our users essentially dictate what is built next. And there's like a whole flow, a whole, whole process to how that goes. But if we have really active agencies or orgs or esports teams that play a particular game that's not on our platform, well, then you better believe that it needs to be built into it. And when you select a game, is that just between you and the community, or do you have to do you have to do anything with the kind of the publishers of the game themselves? Right. We don't really have to do anything particular with the publishers or the engines. It's strictly between us and the community. Got it. If I was to 
scope you out on a Friday night and see what you were playing, what would that be? What's your what's your game of choice right now? <laughs> Man, it's tough. The unfortunate irony of building uh what? No, in- <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look, 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 I I play uh casual games like in my fleeting amount of free time with my friends, but they aren't anything too crazy or exciting. I'm gonna be playing golf with friends uh, like in the middle of the night as I go through my emails. But like these I like I used to play a lot of League of Legends. Uh I played that since the beta hit chat challenger two times. I don't play anything like ranked or crazy these days. I mean obviously there are games that I'm I'm keeping an eye out for like I am going to dedicate some vacation time to binge like when uh, Cyberpunk is eventually or at least because they keep pushing back the date you better believe I'm going to uh, tell the team that I'm gone for the next (laughs) 48 hours and my phone is off Uh, I will play that I love that all right. Yeah. Cool. Good answer. You ended strong. Started okay, weak, ended strong. I like it. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Man, I truly appreciate you taking the time. If folks want to learn more about Shot Call or either how to play or how to be an influencer, what's a, the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Uh, check out us on Twitter at Shot Call uh, GG. You can also go to our site at, at shotcall.gg. We are fairly active. I wish we were uh, more active, but we are fairly active on (laughs) all of our socials and our DMs are open. So feel free to contact us there. Awesome. Is that the best way to get a hold of you personally if somebody wants to reach out to you with questions? Personally, you can uh, find my Twitter at the Tom for Tom. And a four is a, a number, just the Tom for Tom. Uh, and you can always at me or uh, DM me. Yep. Awesome. Thomas, thank you so much, man. This has been awesome. Hell yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.